I really had no idea where my journey was headed when I started this podcast. I knew that I wanted to do something bigger than myself. I knew I had a message. I knew I had something to share with the world. And on March 5th of 2018, I launched this podcast as the beginning of that journey to share that message and to try to just do my part to create the change in the world that I wanted to see. And that change was to see more people, especially young people traveling, seeing the world and having experiencing transformation through travel that I experienced as a kid. And I owe that to my grandmother, which certainly if you've been following this podcast, you've heard me talk about my grandmother as being my travel inspiration. And I just owe so much to her, so much gratitude for shaping the person that I grew into as an adult. Uh, She probably didn't realize exactly the impact she was having on my life at the time. It was more or less an excuse to spend time with us, with my sister and me, her only two grandchildren, because we lived in California. She lived in Dallas, Texas. So taking us with her on trips around the world was just a great way to spend time with us. The way that the ways that it has changed my life are almost beyond beyond being able to to count it unquantifiable. And I don't even try to to quantify them anymore. I just know that travel had a deep impact on my life and I wouldn't be the same person. I wouldn't be the person I am today without having traveled. But back to the journey of starting this podcast, I, I really didn't know where it was headed or what I was gonna do. I just knew that I was wanted to be on that journey. I wanted to start the podcast to get this message out. And I knew that once a week I was gonna be releasing an episode week after week and hopefully just growing, getting a little better than I was the week before. And I think that I've done that. I go back and I listen to some of my earlier episodes and uh, the message is there without question. And I, but I can certainly notice this, the, the improvements that, that have occurred over those you know, over six months worth of, of weekly episodes. But one of the, one of the incredible byproducts of having this podcast has been the people that I've met the people that I've either met virtually or in person because of this podcast. I've got to interview some incredible people, people I wouldn't have normally had the opportunity to to talk to. Um, I've become friends, colleagues in in, the, in this business of that is it's all-encompassing sort of business that is travel and specifically family travel. So if you go back to episode number 13, it was particularly particularly special to me uh, especially as my journey unfolded, which I'll get to in a minute. But in episode number 13, I interviewed a gentleman named Reiner Jens, who is the president and the founder of a, an organization called the Family Travel Association. And their mission is simple. It's to inspire more families to travel. And it was just so well aligned with with everything that I wanted to get out into the world. It, it seemed like a natural fit. Reiner and I hit it off really well and continued to speak even beyond our our interview for the podcast. And over time, you know, we just were working together to try to figure out something, some way to collaborate, something, some way to collaborate on something, something special that would just further amplify this message. And it's it's hard to <clears throat> excuse me, it's hard to believe that this kind of actually happened. But because of that initial interview, because we had that that time together on that podcast, uh, friendship grew, and I'm really just beyond thrilled to announce that 
The Family Travel Association has launched an official podcast, and I am the host, I am the producer of that podcast called Family Travel Radio. And without starting this podcast, without the journey of being, just putting myself in this universe and meeting all these incredible people, that clearly would have never happened. And I just taken, want to take this time to, to just give you a greater understanding of the journey that I've gone on over the last six or seven months. And for those of you listening since the beginning, you've been there, you understand, you've heard kind of the ups and downs of this, of this journey, many of which I've shared with you. Part of my message is just sharing me, who I am, the ups and downs, the, just the real me. And you've seen that over the last six, seven months. And hopefully that's inspired you in some way. That's been the goal of my podcast, uh, the goal of really everything I've done. And what I want to share with you now is that very first, those first couple of episodes of Family Travel Radio, those episodes that we've, that I've created uh, with Reiner for the, with the Family Travel Association. I think you're really going to enjoy them. They're very well aligned with the type of content you've come to expect here from Dramatic Travel's family. And I also wanted to let you know that Dramatic Travel's family, after I release these couple of episodes, these teaser episodes kind of to introduce you to Family Travel Radio, that Dramatic Travel's family <clears throat> is going to go on a, a, on a temporary hiatus. And the reason for that is because the, the content over at Family Travel Radio, I think, is superior to the content here in many ways. And I, and it's, there's a, but there's also a lot of overlap and it's very similar content. So what I'm doing is I'm going to, I'm kind of reformulating the way I operate or the way that I uh, produce dramatic travels family, so I can come back with a way that in a with a show that's just fresher and more, you know, just a little different. It's it's going to be in the next iteration evolution of dramatic travels family. So I needed you to know that because I know want you to know that dramatic travels family is not going away, and you can still find me, of course, over at Family Travel Radio, hosting the official podcast of the Family Travel Association. So I, I'd love for you to to jump over and check out. Family Travel Radio and subscribe and listen to Family Travel Radio the way you've been listening to, to Dramatic Travels Family. I really appreciate the the support. And and just once again, I just for anyone out there who's looking to start a journey, whether it's it's travel or whether it's more of a, a personal journey, just I'd love for you to just look at my podcasting journey as as a as an example of what is possible of what can be done when you when you commit to something, when you put your mind to it and you put your heart and soul into something that great things can happen when you commit and you show up every day ready to serve the the people who you were meant to serve. And for me it was I to serve family and families and family travelers and to inspire and encourage families to travel more and help them just truly understand the benefits of of family travel. And I hope I've done that and if you resonate with my message, then I'm, I know you're going to love Family Travel Radio. So right here, after I'm done talking, I'm going to play for you one of the very first episodes of Family Travel Radio that we released, uh, just to give you a flavor for it. And next week, I'm going to give you another one. But then after that, everything's going to happen over at Family Travel Radio. I'm going to drop the links down here in the uh, the show notes in the description for this show, so you can head over, listen to Family Travel Radio, subscribe to that show, and just enjoy what's hopefully going to be many, many years to come of just incredible family travel content. And I just appreciate each and every one of you, my friends, for for listening, for supporting this show. And just stay tuned because we're going to be back. It's going to be we're going to do a little different. We're going to have some fun with it. Uh, 
but I just want you to know that I'm, I'm not going anywhere. In fact, I'm going, <laughs> I'm going everywhere. I'm going more places. So yeah, check out Family Travel Radio. If you're interested in the travel industry at all and entrepreneurship in particular within the travel industry, you can check out Dramatic Travels Entrepreneurs, which is another weekly show that I host where I speak to inspiring entrepreneurs within the travel industry. That's a, that's a cool show. It's a bit of a passion project for me. It's been a whole lot of fun. So stick with me, my friend. This is only the beginning. Thanks so much for, for listening and enjoy this special episode of Family Travel Radio. Family Travel Radio is on the air. Welcome to Family Travel Radio, the official podcast of the Family Travel Association. Family Travel Radio is on the air, helping you discover the world of possibilities family travel has to offer. Aaron Schlein here, and today on Family Travel Radio, we are going to travel to one of the majestic wonders of the world, Angkor Wat in Cambodia. And because this is Family Travel Radio, of course, we are going to be bringing those kiddos Andrea Ross from Wild Frontiers Travel is going to be our guide as we not only explore the majestic temple of Angkor Wat, but we're also going to get to know the Cambodian people and the transformational experiences that await you and your family. Cambodian people are kind and generous and outgoing and very, very inclusive. People just feel safe and welcomed and warm when they're there. And sticking with the Ancient Wonders theme, a bit later on in the program, I will be chatting with Sarah Stocking from Lonely Planet Kids about an exciting new book that will both entertain and educate your kids about many of the ancient wonders of the world, about what they were like back in the day and what they will see now when they go to visit. It's a really fascinating way to get a little bit of knowledge about these really amazing places in the world. What we'll do is talk to her a little bit using this book about what she's going to experience. Family Travel Radio is the official podcast of the Family Travel Association. Visit us at familytravel.org and discover for yourself just what's possible in the world of family travel. Today we'll discover the possibilities that await families in Cambodia at Angkor Wat and at the various ancient wonders around the globe. This is Family Travel Radio, my friend. Away we go. This is Family Travel Radio. We are all about exploring the possibilities that family travel has to offer. And today we are going to offer you a perfect example of one of those possibilities. We are traveling to Cambodia to visit one of the ancient wonders of the world. And here to guide us is Andrea Ross. Now, Andrea is the founder of Journeys Within, but she is now with Wild Frontiers Travel, which you can find at wildfrontierstravel.com. Andrea, welcome to Family Travel Radio. Thanks, Aaron. I'm pretty excited to be here. Excellent. Where in the world are you joining us from today? I am actually in Reno, Nevada. It's where I am during the school year. And then during summers and breaks, we usually can be found either in Southeast Asia or somewhere else, <laughs> not, not Reno, Nevada. We're going to travel in our minds to Cambodia in just a minute. But before that, just take a, a real quick minute and just go back in uh, as far as you can and tell me about yourself as a traveler. Tell me that story of your travels. <laughs> sure. Well, mine starts as, as a child traveling as well. I, at the age of seven, we had a family trip to Australia planned. My aunt lived there. We were going to go visit her. And my parents had green cards at the time. We were from Britain originally. And they were told they couldn't travel on the green card. I 
I, on the other hand, was born in the U.S. So I turned to them and said, well, I don't see any reason why I can't go. So at seven, my mother put me on a plane unaccompanied to Australia. And I was there for three weeks. And I'm pretty sure I cried every night. But the days were full of adventures and koalas and kangaroos. And I think that was probably where I got my travel bug from. And I quite honestly, I haven't really stopped traveling since. And I give a lot of credit to my mother who put me on that plane by myself. And then just a lot of credit to my parents in general for getting me out and exploring and pushing me to find my my niche in travel. Tell me about that flight. That is a long, long, a long flight, flight for anybody, but for a seven-year-old unaccompanied, what was that like? What was going through your mind? Tell me what you were feeling. I don't know. It was, you know, it was a long time ago. Um, I won't say how long ago, but a long time ago. Um, so I think now when I see my kids, my kids now are 11 and 13 and I had, they do fly unaccompanied, but yeah, I, I at seven, they weren't, <laughs> I don't think I was ready for it, but I think, you know, back then air travel was a little bit different. It was a little bit more sophisticated maybe, but no, I, I very much remember being in a room with lots of kind of supplies. And I think that's where they kept me during the layover. So <laughs> that's, that's really my memory. And then my, my dad had made a box for my doll. So I had this like trundle box that my doll went in and I, I remember taking that with me everywhere and fitting her under the seat in front of me. And that was kind of my main focus was making sure the doll and her box were cool. So those are my memories from the flight, the trip itself. I remember kangaroos and my aunt and it was great, but the flight, the flight, I think I blocked out a little. Well, either you blocked it out or Andrea, I always just kind of take the point of view that the things you remember from your childhood usually have some sort of strong emotion attached to it. And maybe that flight just wasn't that big a deal for you. So there really wasn't anything memorable about it. And there was another lesson in there, I think, for a lot of parents who stress about flying with their kids, thinking about whether they can handle it. And I always tell them, I said, well, maybe it's time the parents look in the mirror and maybe the issue is with you. And I think your story <laughs> illustrates that very well, because at seven years old, you're on a, I don't know, 15 hour flight by yourself and guess what? You managed, you made it, you got there sure. and there were no parents to, to stress out about it. Yeah. I have a lot of travelers that say to me like, oh my gosh, but that flight with my kids, because obviously to Southeast Asia from the US, you're looking at probably 24 hours of travel time from, you know, from airport to airport. And I think my, the point I always make is, look, it's point A to point B. You just have to, that's for you, for the kids, for everybody. And I strongly believe that as parents, we are not the cruise director on that flight. It is not our job to entertain our children for 24 hours. It's our job to set up a flight routine that allows them to handle it and get there not feeling like little zombies. But at the same time, we also have to kind of take care of ourselves. And, and you know, I see these parents playing game after game on the plane. I don't play games with my kids on planes. They they have to figure it out. And sure, there's devices now and you can watch movies, but they bring books with them. They bring coloring with them. And right from the start, I was like, not your cruise director, kiddos, figure it out. So I do think there's a little bit to be said for for backing off a little and letting the kids figure it out on their own. Yeah, that right from the start mentality. I remember when my, my wife was pregnant with our son, our oldest, and we, we read a book and there's a quote from me. I don't remember anything else from that book except this one quote that said, start as you mean to go on. Yes. No, it's from... Um, Baby Whisperer. Yes, it's from the Baby Whisperer. And I use that quote all the time in business, in my personal life. I do. I think it's one of the best ones. <laughs> 
yeah, if you're going to be, if you plan on a lifetime of travel with your kids, which I presume if you're listening to this podcast, then you are. Yeah. Start as you mean to go on. Cause if you make it a routine that you're constantly entertaining or, you know, swapping out devices and breaking up fights, then that's going to, yeah. it's going to continue to be, that's the way it's going to go on. So we're digressing here, Andrew, but I think this is a great topic to, to cover. So I hope we were able to drop a little value here, a little bonus value here in this episode of family travel radio. So let's pack our bags, Andrea, and we're going to travel with you and Wild Frontiers Travel to Cambodia. Walk us through a family trip. Let's start at the beginning, this wonderful trip to Cambodia with Wild Frontiers. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think Cambodia is often off people's radar. You know, it has a pretty nasty history in terms of the Khmer Rouge and the Civil War. It obviously is a country that is dealing with a lot of poverty. And I think people are scared to take families there and take their kids there. And I actually think the opposite should be true. Cambodia is one of those countries that is just a wonderful place to introduce kids to the developing world because of the people. Cambodian people are kind and generous and outgoing and very, very inclusive. My kids obviously grew up in Cambodia. I had both of my kids when I was living over there. I was there for 10 years. Both my kids were born there. So they grew up in that community. And I will say it's kind of this just lovely, warm, welcoming place to live. And I think that same goes for just visiting. Um, So we found that Cambodia is a great way to introduce kids to the developing world and to really see what's out there and, you know, to take a break from Europe a little bit and see something a little more unique, um, a culture that's obviously very different from our own. And quite honestly, it gives kids a real sense of gratitude. When you go and visit the villages and you realize that most of the families are living without running water, without electricity, um, I will say when you come home and you take a shower, there's a general level of appreciation there that maybe you were missing before. Um, And I've had a lot of families that traveled with us and, you know, they say when their kids got home, they'll say things like, oh, I don't want to waste that, you know, or, or, oh, mom, look, the water comes right out. And remember that place in Cambodia, they had to use a well, like it just, it does, it hits the kids' psyches and kind of, I think changes how they feel about their own place in the world. Tell me about how you address just the, the naysayers, someone or someone who might be on the fence that they might want to travel to Cambodia. It sounds worthwhile, but they just can't get over that mental block in their head that this is this place is potentially unsafe. Or maybe they're just hearkening back to those sure. those days in the '90s when it wasn't the safest place in the world. How do you how do you kind of bring them in and and show them what you know? Yeah, I think obviously I use my own experience that my kids grew up there, that we now host hundreds of families a year in the country um, and that I've never had not just an issue, but I've never had a complaint. I mean, people just feel safe and welcomed and warm when they're there. I think the other thing is people are really nervous when you travel with kids. Obviously, you're trying to find that balance between kind of education, seeing the sights, learning and having fun. And sometimes that's a tough balance. And I think people worry that in Cambodia, because the main attraction is Angkor Wat, and you know, it is the largest religious monument in the world. It's huge. It's incredible, but it's not what every kid dreams of, right? There's no Mickey Mouse around the corner. So I think what I also encourage families to see is that Cambodia isn't just about the temples. Yes, you should go see the temples. And yes, we do fun activities for kids where we give them treasure hunts that they find things as they explore the temple with their guide. And we do try to make that temple fun. 
But in the afternoon, we have families go and help in an art class, or we go zip lining, or we go quad biking out into the village, or we just take a village tour or a cooking class. You know, there are so many. I could keep listing them. There are so many things you can do that have the fun factor. And at the same time, you're seeing a new culture, you're seeing a different way of life, and you really do feel immersed in in what you're experiencing. And I think to me, that's that's kind of what I say to people is, look, it's not just about the temple. Um, there's way more to it. Well, certainly there's always more than meets the eye. The temples are, of course, the grand attraction, the ancient wonder of the world. So let's just take a minute and, and kind of go through that. You touched on it for a second, exploring the temples with your guide. And just tell me about the experience that a family would have exploring the temples. Sure. So some families want to get up for sunrise, but I would say most of our families, especially with younger kids or kids my age, I, you know, trying to get teenagers or preteens up for sunrise is more painful than it's worth. So we still like to go early, but not crazy early. And we we head to the temples with a guide. Usually we kind of go in the back way so that you're not with the crowds. You're seeing it a little bit quieter. And then what our guides really do with families is try to find the cool things that strike a chord with kids. So for instance, there's a beautiful carving that you have to remember is about a thousand years old on the wall of Angkor Wat that's the churning of the sea of milk. And there's an amazing story behind it. It's all part of the Ramayana. And the guide will kind of tell that story, show this carving, and it really does bring it to life for the kids. They're also, as you walk through the temple grounds, there are these big boulders. And this is one of the things that's kind of stuck with my kids is that these big blocks that were used to build the temples and there are holes through them. And our guide said, well, why do you think there are holes you guys? And they said, I don't know. And they said, because that's where they put the vines through that they then attached to the elephants so they could pull it down from the hills where they had cut these limestone blocks. And, you know, for kids that suddenly becomes a picture and it becomes a story and it becomes really part history comes alive and the idea of wow those holes still exist you know there of course they do but to it really allows you to see how it was a thousand years ago when they were building this incredible monument and it just kind of grabs them and then from there you um explore the temple probably for a few hours and then usually we head back into town there's great places now for for lunch you can get everything from a burger to local Khmer food to you can eat crickets if you want and I think what I always say to parents is look remember our kids are being bombarded with new images new ideas new temperature. I mean, it's hot there. Mm -hmm. If they want to eat a hamburger, let them eat a hamburger. I'm a big believer that trying to push too much culture and experience and new things on kids can overwhelm them and shut them down. So I believe strongly in comfort food when they want it. I've had kids that want to try crickets and I've had kids that literally eat plain pasta with butter their entire two week trip. And they both took a lot away from the experience. So I think, you know, not pressuring kids to, to do too much, try too much is, is a good theory. And then in the afternoon, I think, te- you know, what we try to do is if you do temples in the morning, then you do something different in the afternoon. So we run a foundation in Cambodia called Journeys Within Our Community. Um, and we have a school that has about a thousand students attending. And we'll either, the family will either go to our school and volunteer in our library. And in that case, they might be reading books in English to the kids. They might be working on puzzles with the kids. Um, If we have a particular project going on, like an art project, they'll help with that. And it just allows for 
you know, a little downtime, first of all, and it allows for the kids to meet other kids their age. And it's amazing. I mean, you would think that language would be a barrier, but kids are just the greatest at not needing language. You know, before you know it, they're all jumping rope together or coloring together or giggling over some funny picture they found in a book. So we'll do that in the afternoon. And then the evening, depending on how old the kids are, it might be that they're done. Your kids might be done. (laughs) Three and five, they (laughs) might be ready for the pool and bed. Um, But for older kids, my kids age preteens, there's an amazing circus. And it's not a lions and tigers and bears, oh my, circus. It's more like a circ circus. And it's these wonderful kids that have grown up um, in underprivileged households that have learned circus art and everything from juggling to gymnastics to dance. And they are really, they're extraordinary. And so we'll send our guests to see a show put on by them. Often we do a VIP experience where you go behind the scenes. So, you know, that's kind of the mix. So are you seeing temples? Yes, absolutely. You should. They're amazing. But are we also getting to know the culture and the people and learning something? And then are we giving back? Those are kind of my three things that I like to include as much as possible. Yeah, you touched on some great points there. And just the the kids connecting with other kids. That's one of those experiences that, that really money can't buy. And in my travels in my experience, those are the ones that stick with you. Kind of the way you described earlier on the flight to Australia. You didn't remember a whole lot from that yet when you you got there and you had all these experiences and whether it was with animals or people, really vivid, powerful, strong travel memories that stick with you. And I think what the way you described, you know, spending a day, not just seeing the temples, but engaging with the locals and, and eating, whether you choose to eat the local food or not, that is just, those are some strong, strong, powerful memories that our kids are going to take take with them and keep with them forever. And then hopefully you'll find some real gratitude that they were able to see that and kind of really take that inside and make it a part of them. Huge, huge takeaways there. I really appreciate your, your insight here. Yeah. So Andrew, we're certainly very, very grateful for, for experts like you who can bring the kind of the day-to-day family traveler into this, such as amazing, but partially intimidating environment. So tell me, what are some what are some common mistakes or some common pitfalls that people might make when booking a trip to Cambodia that you can sort of help them with by booking through Wild Frontiers Travel? Yeah, sure. I think um, I think one is is the accommodation actually, and and I think what happens is there are a lot of big hotels in Cambodia. Cambodia has grown really fast, and it hasn't always grown in proportion to what is necessary. So there are these huge hotels that offer pretty incredible rates. And yet you really miss out on something when you're in one of these bigger kind of less personal properties. So I would say the first thing is to find a more boutique property, you know, a a smaller property where you're going to get to know the staff, they're going to know you. And those experiences, like you were saying, I mean, we stay in a small little family run property, so their kids are around. So my kids play with their kids. And I think that creates those experiences that otherwise, like you said, money can't buy those experiences. That is just putting yourself at the right place at the right time. And those smaller properties allow that. And then I think the other thing, and and I'm guilty of this as much as anybody, probably more so, is overscheduling. I constantly overschedule. And I think a lot of our guests overschedule too. And I get it. You want to go and see and do everything. But at the same time, we have to remember that 
kids want to play, first of all. So you have to have pool time. And and quite honestly, kids need downtime and they probably need to sleep more than we do. So, you know, whether it means getting a babysitter for one night, which I always do when I'm there, or um, whether it means just having a few kind of easy afternoons and maybe scheduling a little more time in one place than you would have before traveling with kids. I think that is something that allows everybody to really enjoy the experience and not feel, you know, run ragged. You've given uh, you've given us some real insights into your mindset as as a traveler, starting with you know the the not entertaining your kids on the plane to understanding <laughs> their needs once you get there, especially on a trip like this. I mean, this is this is heavy duty travel in terms of just how long it takes to get there and just how crazy different the environment is once you get there. But I feel like there's a um, a lot of parents, myself included, to some degree, feel this pressure that like we're here. We spent all this time and money yeah. to get here. We have to do everything. We have to do all the things. We have to eat all the food. And I feel like that adds this level of tension that really doesn't need to be there. So how do you, if you have a, a parent who's, if you kind of get that sense that they're trying to do all the things or that they're maybe they're driving their kids crazy, how do you, how do you talk to them and, and kind of bring them into your mindset? No, that's a really good point. I mean, I'm the same way. I, if I go somewhere new, I'm spoiled in Cambodia, obviously, because I know it very well. So when we go, I don't feel that need to do everything. But when I go somewhere new with my kids, they'll tell you I run them ragged and I always regret it. So it's not that I've found the perfect balance yet. But, you know, generally I'll chat with our clients when they call. And often it's that, you know, say the wife really likes to get up early. She likes to see everything. She's not really willing to to not do that. And what I say is, look, you can go. Just let the kids sleep in. If the husband doesn't want to go, or even if you just want to get a babysitter to come in, let them have a morning at the pool. And you guys go and see 10 temples and learn all the history. And, you know, we really can take it up a level. Really, it's about finding that balance within the family that everybody's needs are covered. And often, I, I'm the same way that everybody kind of has to bend to my schedule. And now as my kids get older, they'll be like, hey, mom, we're going to take the afternoon off, but you can go. <laughs> And I've learned that, you know, the right answer is, okay, great. I'll see you when I get back. Because to me, I want to go, go, go. And I want to see everything. And I have pretty high energy. And they kind of don't. They want an afternoon off to swim or, you know, just play games. And so I just think it's finding that balance within the family. And just because one person in the family wants to go 110%, it's not really fair to ask the rest of the family to do that. So when I'm chatting with guests, I will ask, okay, how does everybody like to travel? How can we balance that in this trip? Hey, Andrew, I don't want my kids to grow up too early, but you just got me so excited at the thought of someday uh, them just saying, go ahead, dad, we, we got this covered. We're good. I just, I can't, I can't really even envision what that's going to be like because <laughs> my kids are so little, but I'm excited. You know, it's coming someday, but I want them to stay a little for, for, for at least a little while. Oh, longer. Yeah. No, little is great. I, this age is fun. My kids, because they are so independent. Um, but yeah, they were little ones too, but I'm a big believer in, in letting other people watch them as well. And, you know, even in Cambodia, I will say to people, look, I have people there who raised my kids, so I will hire them to babysit yours and I have total trust in them. Um, and so that's nice because as a tour company, you don't always have that, but because we have that personal experience, we do. So we're able to really let parents have a night off and go to dinner on their own and try some of the, you know, Siem Reap now has some amazing fine dining, which people don't really expect in Cambodia. 
And we've had people travel with all ages. Uh, Liling Pang, who you might know from Trekaroo, she traveled with, I think her baby was eight months when she came and traveled with us. And she had older kids with her as well. And then obviously we have a lot of teenagers traveling with us and then college age. So I think you can, you can customize the itinerary and customize your experiences to fit whatever age your kids are at the time. Well, Andrew, you certainly got me excited about traveling to Cambodia and traveling with my family. I'm sure you got the folks out there in Family Travel Radio excited as well. Tell me how we can can get in touch with you and start planning that trip. Sure. Well, my um, my office is in California, so we're on Pacific time, and our phone number there is 877-454-3672, or people are always welcome to email me, um, andrea at journeys-within.com or andrea.ross at wildfrontierstravel.com, and I'm happy to chat with people. And, you know, often, Aaron, I just chat with people about hey, they'll call me and be like, my kids are this age and this age. Where should I take them? And sometimes the answer is Disney World. (laughs) I don't want to say that my kids and I are, you know, going to the farthest flung places. We go to Disney World. We go to Santa Cruz. Like we like to, to do the more quintessential family travel experience as well. But I think there is a time and a place where going further afield, having those unique experiences, letting your kids figure out that the world is a big place, but they can have a really cool impact on it. I think that that's very powerful. Absolutely. And I really appreciate your candor here in this interview, whether it's uh, letting your kids eat pasta with butter <laughs> or just sending them to Disney World, if that's the best, <laughs> the best medicine. I really appreciate it. Andrea from Wild Frontiers Travel. You can check her out at wildfrontierstravel.com. Andrea, thanks so much for joining us on Family Travel Radio. Thanks, Aaron. I'm very pleased to welcome to the show now, Sarah Stocking. Sarah is a destination editor for Lonely Planet, and today we're going to be discussing a brand new Lonely Planet kids book entitled Ancient Wonders Then and Now. Sarah Stocking, welcome to Family Travel Radio. Thank you so much for having me. Let's just dive straight into this book, Ancient Wonders Then and Now. Let's get into it. Tell me, what's that book all about? So it's a collection of some of the greatest ancient wonders of the Pyramid of Giza and Gorwat in Cambodia, Colosseum in Rome. And it talks about what a person might look at now if they saw it, how visitors tend to travel to it, how the land or the jungle has grown up around it, those kinds of things. And then if you if you flip open the pages and all of the hidden doors, you get a chance to experience what it might have been like in the past. So they talk a lot about how things might have been gilded or painted, how it was actually built and the years that it took and the ingenuity of these civilizations. It's a really fascinating way to get a little bit of knowledge about these really amazing places in the world. It's a very simple concept, but yet just trying to think about all that may have gone into creating this book, and then also just creating this book with kids in mind. Tell me what goes into creating such a complex subject, and on many di- you're covering many different topics and many different points around the world. And tell me what goes into developing a book like that that's specifically for kids. Sure. So I think one of the things that Lonely Planet is particularly good at is synthesizing information about 
the world into easily digestible content for people to have their own incredible experiences. Translating that for kids is using a lot of visuals, using a lot of interactive page moving, really finding all of the most interesting anecdotes and tips and facts that a particular place is celebrated for and presenting them in a way that is both interactive for children and also really easy to follow and fun to follow. Well, I consider myself a a fairly seasoned traveler, Sarah, but going through this book, there is a ton of stuff in there that I, I just flat out didn't know. And so even as an adult, it's fun. It's fun to look at and then to share that with my kids, get them excited about seeing some of these wonders. So how about Sarah, you personally, how many of these wonders have you laid eyes on personally? I was just trying to do, uh, to figure that out, actually. I think it's five, maybe five. Okay. So you got, you got a ways to go and I have a ways to go. Yes. So tell me about how you're going to attack, uh, attack some of these wonders as a family. Now you have a four-year-old daughter. Let's give us a, a concrete example. Pick one of these wonders and just, and just kind of talk me through how you might use this book. And then also just to plan a trip with your daughter to one of these ancient wonders. Absolutely. I'm going to start with Angkor Wat because I've been there and um, I really enjoyed it. And I'm really looking forward to sharing it with my daughter Freya someday when when she wants to. I think what we'll do is to use this this book and books like it and say, we're going on this amazing adventure. We're going to see this place, Angkor, and talk to her a little bit using this book, which is so easy to do, about what she's going to experience. It's it's this huge, beautiful complex, and you can see that in the book. You can see the the temple and the way it looks now, and we can talk about the explorers and the way that we will experience it, the people that are we're going to encounter while we're there, the the animals in the jungle that surround it, and and how we're going to navigate that. And then and then we can open it up a little bit deeper and talk about how it was even built and some interesting little stories and tidbits that she can take with us that will really inspire her imagination, get her thinking about it so that when she's in the place that her imagination can just flourish, that she can see for herself that the temple towers were designed to look like lotus buds. And she can imagine all of the artisans and craftspeople that went into carving by hand, all the beautiful apsaras, and creating the paintings that are around um, the Angkor complex. It's, it's really very stunning and an incredible sort of exercise in imagination and history and, and learning. Stunning indeed. So your daughter's four now. Have you gone through this book with her yet? Uh, we did. We started to go through it a little bit. And um, she was excited by the idea of it. But I think at, at this point, she's doesn't really have a concept that history exists or that any of the world existed before she was born. The entire universe is four years old, right? Yes, exactly. The entire universe is four years old. So slowly and steadily, we'll continue to introduce her to this concept that there were amazing civilizations a very long time ago that did incredible things. And this book will be very helpful in helping her to conceptualize that concept. I absolutely love it. And just speaking from some experience, I remember as a kid, some of the things that would excite me, I would go to the library and just flip through picture books of various points around the world and history. And I also loved reading books about airplanes. But uh, yeah, just anything you can do as a parent to 
to not just prepare your kids, but excite them, excite them about the world, excite them about travel. And then what you'll see is, I believe anyway, as they get older, they start taking more and more ownership of kind of their travel future. And they decide, they start having opinions about what they want to see. And as a parent, that's got to be unbelievably gratifying. My kids are only five and three, so I'm not there yet either, but I can just imagine what that's going to be like and just being so much fun for just a lifetime of just thrilling family travel. Just super awesome. Sarah, thanks so much for joining us once again on Family Travel uh, Family Travel Radio. And of course, you can check out Ancient Wonders Then and Now from Lonely Planet Kids. Head over to LonelyPlanet.com slash kids. Sarah Stocking, thanks so much for joining us on Family Travel Radio. Thanks for having me, Aaron. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Family Travel Radio. The intro for this episode was provided by River from Carmichael, California. Thank you so much, River. Family Travel Radio is the official podcast of the Family Travel Association, and there's more family travel inspiration waiting for you over at familytravel.org. Thanks for listening, my friend. Aaron Schlein signing off.